This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. Great to have you with us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. In our next segment, we'll take a deep dive into that Apple news, as it is pretty significant to the company's bottom line, unless there are changes. Later in the show, 12.39, Entrepreneur Friday. Tie-dye became all the rage during the pandemic. Right now, the latest report on inflation is out. We're joined by Gus Fauche, chief economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Gus, what are we seeing here on the inflation front? Uh, Well, we did see wholesale prices increase broadly, uh, but the good news is is the increase is smaller than we've seen in recent months. So although inflation is high, it is set to slow gradually over the next year or so. Help us to understand now, as the prices go higher, uh, there's not a situation where they're going to go up and then they're going to come back down. We, we don't necessarily want deflation either, right? That's right. And there are some areas where, where we will see prices decline, where we've had huge increases for new and used cars, for rental cars, and we will see falling prices in those areas, and that will help slow inflation. Uh, but what we're going to see is inflation, inflation move for, uh, go from moving above the Federal Reserve's 2% objective to around 2% over the longer run. So uh, we've had a period where we had inflation well below 2%. The if Fed would like inflation to move somewhat above 2%. That's going to happen, but then it'll slow to around 2% over the longer run. And so move Moving forward, people who are thinking, hey, I don't have as much buying power here because of what's going on in inflation. Is that a genuine concern? Is it not overall really having a big impact? Um, it, it is, and we're seeing strong wage growth, but generally I think wages are increasing more slowly than inflation. Um, I do expect that as the labor market continues to improve and as inflation does slow, that we will see real wages, that is wages adjusted for inflation, actually pick up somewhat, uh, and that will allow consumers over the longer run to have a higher standard of living. Let's talk about inventories. They rose. Is that good, bad? How does that impact things, or, or what is it telling us? Uh, that, that's good news. Inventories have been extremely low. Businesses are having difficulty keeping inventories in stock because demand is so strong and then because of production problems. And that's contributing to that higher inflation. That gives sellers more power to raise prices for their goods. Uh, that being said, I do think that inventory accumulation will pick up. Uh, that will be a positive for economic growth over the next year or so. Uh, but it is going to take some time for inventories to get back to normal because of the difficulty that we're seeing in supply chains right now. Yeah, that supply chain problem, uh, kind of just comment on that a little bit because we hear about it here or there, and yet it seems to be impacting just about everything. 
That, that's right. Uh, so uh, uh, manufacturers are having difficulty in getting uh, inputs that they use in making their goods. Uh, we're having difficulty in importing goods from overseas, uh, and we have all sorts of transportation problems. Um, we have a big computer chip shortage that's weighing on auto production. That's a big problem for the Midwest, um, and it's going to take some time. We had a big um, disjunction between supply and demand. Uh, demand picked up very rapidly as in uh, earlier this year. Supply hasn't kept up as well, and so that's leading to some of these supply chain issues. Uh, but I do expect that those will gradually resolve themselves. But it is going to take some time, six, nine months. Thanks so much, Gus Fauché, Chief Economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Just ahead, Apple loses a court case involving its app store. Pretty significant court case coming up. A federal judge in California says Apple can no longer force developers to use in-app purchasing. Let's discuss the implications here. Nick Rach is joining us. He is CEO of the Earnings Scout based in Cleveland. The website, earningsscout.com. Uh, Nick, help us to understand what the court ruled here, what they're saying Apple can't do anymore. Well, one thing it's going to be in terms of getting more money through its own system, which Apple gets commissions on. So uh, basically what it means is less dollars in the future going into Apple's uh, pocket uh, and outgoing. It'll be more in favor of the providers such as a Roblox and Fortnite uh, game makers uh, that uh, challenge this ruling that forced uh, payment through Apple's system. Does Apple, with its power, I mean, with its market share, I mean, does Apple have anything that they can do to sort of tweak these app makers? It seems like Apple's not just going to give up this money. No, and Apple will certainly appeal this ruling today, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, the one thing is, uh, we look at it, um, it, it is billions of dollars, so it is significant. But, but as you mentioned, the size of Apple, Apple's a $2.5 market cap company. And while this is a, uh, a big part of its business, it's not its core business. So uh, as we look at this overall for Apple, we, we take this, you know, looking at the big picture. Apple obviously expected to fight this, right? I mean, try to take it Absolutely. as far as they can. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. They're, like I said, they'll certainly appeal this ruling uh, to try to get the payments. Apple, one of their... Uh, comebacks is that, you know, this this protects their users' privacy by going through their own in-app as opposed to using a third-party out. Um, so they'll try to fight it. Uh, at, the, at the bottom line, though, the judge did not say uh, the M-word. It did not say that Apple was a monopoly. So uh, that was at least certainly in favor of Apple. Yeah, I wanted to see what you thought about that, because that seemed to be a really big point. If the judge had said Apple was a monopoly or acting as though it was a monopoly, that, that, that would have been big trouble for other areas of Apple. Absolutely. For any company, that would be a big problem, uh, a monopoly. So uh, at, at least that wasn't. And, and, and like I said, this is we're talking billions of dollars here, but relative to where Apple is in its core business, uh, it's not immaterial, but it's not the material, the biggest part of it, uh, their core business, which is selling iPhones and and Max. I found it interesting that some companies were actually changing the way they made people pay for their services where they wouldn't allow you to do it through the app. You actually had to go to a laptop or desktop and, and do it on a browser if you wanted to do that, trying to get around Apple's payment requirements. So you know, other businesses are savvy, just like Apple is. Absolutely, because everyone wants that share of dollars. Uh, why, why give it to someone else? Uh, but, you know, uh, as users of, the, of iPhones, of smartphones in general, uh, we all like ease of payment. So when it becomes a little bit difficult to make that payment, maybe that uh, causes some people to be apprehensive and it's not worth making uh, do the runaround. 
does a decision like this uh, you know, give investors any reason to be scared or, or not really? I would say this. So the stock's down 2 3% today on Apple. And, and the way the mechanics of the stock market work, it's going to discount future earnings. So we get this new variable that comes in today. And so this does uh, negatively impact uh, at potentially Apple's future earnings, less dollars coming into Apple. So it readjusts down. To, to me, to the listeners, I, I would not be concerned because the core business of selling iPhones and Macs is still intact, and, and that's still going very strong. So uh, it's a little bump in the road for Apple, but this is still a good long-term core holding. And that's your recommendation on the stock then, not to, uh, not to be shy on Apple? Nope. Own it. Own it for the long haul. This is a good core name. Thanks so much, Nick Raish. He is CEO of the Earnings Scout website, EarningsScout.com. Just ahead, tracking the explosion of legal sports betting in the U.S. Billions expected to be spent on football this year. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's estimated more than 45 million Americans will place wagers on NFL games this season, a reflection of the major expansion of legal sports betting in the U.S. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line, Casey Clark, Senior Vice President of the American Gaming Association based in D.C., uh, Casey, this probably isn't very surprising, but it just reflects the fact that, that there was this pent-up demand. People wanted to be able to bet on sports. Well, I think Americans have been wanting to bet on sports for a long time and have been betting on sports. The difference has been that we've given them legal options to do so following the Supreme Court invalidation of the federal prohibition in 2018. So a lot of pent-up demand for sure, but a lot of enthusiasm for the legal alternatives. So what are we talking here? I mean, it's literally billions and billions of dollars going to be spent on this? Absolutely. You know, we've got uh, up to over $26 billion has been bet on sports already this year legally in the United States. You know, Illinois, it's been $3.6 billion already through July. So certainly a lot of uh, sports fans in Illinois and around the country. Talk about how much easier it is now that you have apps. I mean, if this had been done 20 years ago, people would have had to physically go somewhere in order to place wagers. I think it's both ease of access because we're meeting consumers where they are, but it's also creating opportunities to to bring all this activity under the watchful eye of regulators and within legal markets that offer consumer protections that enable people to do something they've done for a long time, but just in a safer way. Maybe it's too, too early to tell. Are, are we seeing more people engaging more with the big sports? Because if you place a bet, I mean, you, you want to see what's going to happen with that bet. Absolutely. I mean, our, our data suggests that that uh, sports bettors are more avid fans. And so certainly you see leagues and teams and media companies and others who are all involved in the business of sports taking advantage of those opportunities. So a lot more of us who, who like to bet on our favorite sports or have the opportunity to do that legally, which is really a, a great opportunity for sports in general. Is there uh, maybe a little something different when it comes to wagering on NFL games, college football? You, you, you get more of the games at different times of the week, but for the most part, they're concentrated on the weekend. Certainly football has always been something that attracted a lot of activity in the sports betting marketplaces. So uh, it's exciting to have it back. And as you mentioned, 45 million American adults plan to bet on the NFL this year. That's up 36% from last year, which is exceptional. 
tons of growth from all across the country. And is there so far a a good balance? You have states and other municipalities. They like the tax revenue from this. Uh, You have the the places that allow the wagers. They make money off this. The teams make money off this. So far, has that relationship with all these parties gone pretty well? I think you really hit on something important, which is that this is a partnership, and everybody that's involved in this has to be taking the opportunity for what it's worth, but also the responsibility associated with it seriously. So we're excited about the work we're doing together with our partners on our PSA campaign, have a game plan that's helping consumers understand what this opportunity really is. And and certainly we're, we're doing our part. So we're excited to have our partners involved as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Casey Clark, Senior Vice President of the American Gaming Association. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden takes his effort to get children vaccinated to a middle school in Washington. The effects of the 9-11 terror attacks are still being felt two decades later. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We meet the businessman who's bought and successfully turned around a nearly century-old tie-dye company. High-end automakers making hybrid machines with amazing power. WBBM Business, the Dow down 28. NASDAQ up 5 and the S&P is flat. Oil is up 2%. Sunny throughout the afternoon, 76 degrees. We may get a few degrees warmer before the day is done. President Biden takes his COVID plan to a middle school in the nation's capital. CBS's Linda Kenyon. The safest thing you can do for your child 12 and over is get them vaccinated. That's the message from the president as part of his six-pronged vaccination plan. Speaking at Brooklyn Middle School in Washington, D.C., Mr. Biden rejected pushback he's been hearing from some vaccine-averse parents. Get your teenagers vaccinated. You've got them vaccinated for all kinds of other things, measles, mumps, rubella. And he added, this isn't a game when it comes to the health and safety of America's children. Linda Kenyon, CBS News, Washington. Many Americans are still feeling the effects of the 9-11 terror attacks 20 years later. There was chaos. I saw the plane hit the building. Firefighters streamed into the city. It was never in Vietnam, but it just seemed like being in a war. 
Former FDNY Uniformed Fire Officers Association President Jake LaMonda was among them. We literally became the domestic soldiers that day. Lila Nordstrom was a high school senior at a school blocks away. We returned before any of the fires had been put out. Thousands, not just first responders, are sick, and some have died. Allison Keyes, CBS News. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets basically flat, the Dow down 28. The NASDAQ is up five, and the S&P is down one point. Let's see what's going on. Jack Ablin is here, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. Jack, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, it looks like a bit of a roller coaster. We started off about 200 points higher on the Dow pre-market. Uh, that got undercut pretty quickly, uh, slipped into negative territory, and now we're kind of easing back toward even uh, for the day. Uh, I think the big news today was the PPI report, the producer price index, which is another view of inflation. Uh, year over year, uh, that number has come in uh, the highest. Uh, 8.3% final demand uh, has come in the highest in the, the 30 years that they've been tracking uh, that data point. Overall, um, the the uh, price index up about 6.3% year over year if you remove food and energy. When it comes to those inflation numbers, when we're uh, you know seeing what's coming in here, I mean, it is impacting buying power. Does that at all scare Wall Street that uh, maybe this is going to actually eat into overall economic growth? Well, I think that you know the the higher uh, inflation by itself probably isn't a concern, but when you compare, you know, when you merge that with um, you know, this Delta variant slowdown uh, that's occurring in the other parts of the economy, I think there is some concern, uh, especially in an environment where now the Federal Reserve is starting to talk about taper uh, and the European Central Bank announced a taper program yesterday. And of course, we've got certain other uh, central banks like in Mexico starting to tighten, perhaps, um, you know, the the bond market is, is getting the message and rates uh, are moving up today. If we get much more inflation, do you, you have to start worrying about just the overall value of your portfolio, because as those dollars are sitting there, if they're not growing beyond that inflation number, you're, you're actually losing value. That's it. And that's been the story for, you know, months and months and months, actually, Cisco. If you think about the bond market, um, you know, if we've got, you know, year over year inflation running at around 5% or so, and your, uh, you know, your 10-year treasury uh, is at 1.3, uh, that's not covering your, 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 living, your living costs. And that's really been the case for a while. The Fed has done that deliberately to try to get uh, investors out of the safety of cash and out of the safety of treasuries and into riskier assets like equities and high-yield bonds. But it's gotten to the point now where the yield on high-yield bonds, in fact, doesn't cover the inflation rate. And, um, and so uh, that's, you know, that's creating some concern. What do you make of Apple, the stock down oh, about 2.5% or so now? They got a legal setback today in court concerning the App Store. And yet Apple I mean, sitting on billions and billions in cash. They're, they're still a pretty solid company. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, these are, um, you know, data points, uh, set, you know, spe- uh, speed bumps and so forth. Um, I think that, um, you know, Apple will continually, just given its size and uh, many of its other tech partners will continually run into some sort of regulatory risk. In fact, 
if you were to ask me what the biggest risk these mega tech companies face is probably regulatory. Um, you know, we're seeing a, a, a getting a taste of it in China as uh, you know, uh, President Xi and and uh, uh, Beijing is is starting to try to clip the wings of some of their largest players. Uh, we could get a sense of that uh, in uh, in the coming quarters here too. But overall, you know, they're not. They're certainly uh, legislators aren't going to kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Uh, or any of them for that matter. Is there a concern that higher wages, as businesses try to attract workers, that, that higher wages and benefits, that that is going to eat into earnings? Because that seems to be happening really all around the country. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I've been watching that, Cisco. I've been uh, uh, writing about it. And you're absolutely right. If you look, for example, at leisure and um, and hospitality uh, wages over the last year, they're up 13 percent. In fact, uh, the the average hourly wage rate for leisure and hospitality employees right now is about $16.90 an hour. So forget about all this talk about $15 minimum wage. Um, You know, these are generally considered, I would say, low-skilled workers, uh, and they're already commanding a a pretty sizable uh, average hourly wage. And what that means is that that sectors, companies and sectors, that rely on uh, employees um, to deliver their their value proposition are going to be vulnerable. Uh, so what I did was a study that looked at the market cap uh, per employee of every sector, and I found, not surprisingly, discre- consumer discretionary and consumer staples. Um, those are generally the consumer-oriented uh, pr- uh, products and services are, are going to be most vulnerable. So, you know, your hotel, airlines, and things like that, we do rely on uh, uh, labor to generate um, their business, whereas, you know, uh, the, the um, capital-intensive businesses like communication, um, utilities, uh, and technology, less so. Thanks so much. Good insight from Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital Management here in Chicago. Up next, Entrepreneur Friday, using creativity to revive a tired old brand. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. The Rit Die brand has made an amazing comeback from bankruptcy. Let's learn how that turnaround was accomplished. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Jonathan Spaggett, owner and creative director of Rit Die here in Chicago. You can find them online at ritdie.com. Jonathan, good to have you on the show. Uh, so let, let's talk about bankruptcy. I mean, I'm sure in hindsight, it's a little easier for you to talk about it now, but just how bad were things? Things were pretty good, actually, for RIT, the brand. What would happen was it was owned by a company that other brands that weren't performing so well. And so when we found out about RIT, we were like, this is a treasure. And so really, it was a bankrupt company, but it had so much potential. So how did you turn it around? I mean, what were some of the first steps you took? Well, it was, as you say, quite an outdated brand. Um, It was mainly stocked in uh, grocery stores and kind of just had this old school feel to it. But in in essence, it's really a brand that's for fashion, for design. You know, a lot of fashion designers use it. Um, And so we just felt like we needed to lean into that and make this product look fresh, make it look um, inspiring, fun, easy to use. Um, And so we really took a lot of steps to change the packaging, the websites, the whole just look and feel of this 100-year-old brand. 
So the uh, the fashion dye business, I mean, what, what sorts of things do people do with this? What sorts of businesses or individuals use your product? Uh, well, there's such a variety of uses. The main use is really to just color your clothing. So if something's faded, you have owned something that's black and it's faded, you can revive it back to black. Or you can, you know, you can, we have a plethora of other colors to use just for just simply dyeing things. But it's been around so long. So when in the, in the 60s, during the hippie movement, that was the main dye that was used for tie-dyeing. But it also just spans so many other sort of um, areas, like even prisons use our dye for the, the orange dye for the jumpsuits. It's used, you know, for concrete. It's just a, such a variety of uses. But the main thing really is for clothing. So how has the pandemic impacted you? Well, it was uh, it really did impact us. Um, you know, when it first started, I was very concerned because it really is for clothing and who's leaving their homes. Why would they need to use dye on their clothes? But it really ended up tie dyeing became one of the huge COVID trends, you know, uh, as like comparable to the baking bread. Um, and so it just our just sales skyrocketed and you couldn't, you know, it took us completely off guard, actually. And we were, you know, we were shut down and then. We had this huge boom and surge of sales, and we were just not prepared for it. Yeah, and so how do you deal then with supply chain, getting enough of your product? We talked to other entrepreneurs here. I'm sure some of them dealt with the same thing. Yeah, it was very, very intense. Luckily, we manufacture in the U.S. in Indianapolis, so we did have that under control. But yes, it was just, I mean, it simply, I mean, we didn't have a lot of issues with actually getting the, the um, supply chain. I mean, we had a few issues with randomly like our caps which also i guess were used for bleach but for the most part it was just being able to crank out as much product as we could in you know a, a one shift day and just get to the point where every single order that we were receiving from our retailers we had to cut by 50 to 75 percent because we just didn't have the product and do you uh, as, as a you know running a company i mean do you uh, rally the the troops hey all right everyone you know we we have to do whatever we need to do in order to survive this pandemic Let, let's get going and do everything we can yeah i think everyone was you know at the beginning everyone was so nervous about secure you know the stability of this of the financial markets and the stability of our company but once things really turned around for us and this had this huge boom in our business i think for the most part, you know, a lot of our employees have been with us for 30, 40 years and just were just so, you know, passionate about just, serve, you know, getting us through this, making sure that we can, you know, stay abreast of all this, these sales that were coming. Really interesting to hear the story and glad things are going so well, especially as we move out of the pandemic. Jonathan Spaggett, owner and creative director of Rit Dye here in Chicago. You can find them online at RitDye.com. That's Entrepreneur Friday. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Luxury brand automakers are joining the parade of electric vehicles. We welcome back to the show Rick Mancuso, owner of Ferrari of Lake Forest. Uh, Rick, help us to understand here, Ferraris going all electric, that's, that's really happening. It's a really interesting situation and moment in our performance history. About two or three weeks ago, I listened to the earnings call by John Elkin, our acting CEO for Ferrari. And one of the analysts said, are we going to see an all-electric Ferrari? And his answer was brilliant. He goes, yes, you will see an all-electric Ferrari, but what you will not see is all Ferraris electric. So we're doing a phase in and we're starting with the hybrid. And it's pretty exciting times. 
and that seems that sort of a plan seems to really give consumers a choice. You know, if you if you want the all electric, great, and if you don't, there's still something for you, at least for a while. It's a blending of both steps. We have to take a whole series of small steps to get where we want to with reducing uh, hydrocarbons and making our air cleaner and so forth. We're using it now, and everyone has figured out how to make it enhance performance. I used to race sports cars with Chevrolet many years ago. We had qualifying engines that made 1,000 horsepower, and that was a big deal. And now moms have it driving to work in their SUVs. It's too much horsepower. I'd like to have a little less horsepower on a smaller motor, electric motor, with more range. And uh, talk about the sound and the performance. I mean, because that's what people are wondering. When they hear electric, when they hear battery, they think they're giving something up. I don't think so. I've driven Teslas at length. And uh, recently, I actually, I bought an NSX because it's a V6 twin-turbo hybrid. Hybrid. We have something coming very similar next year, our 296. And it has some sound into the cabin. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful driving experience. The Teslas are almost zen-like in driving. And you get used to it and enjoy it and the comfort and the speed and the precision. That's what we're focused on, trying to keep some of the other characteristics of great driving machines, the smoothness, the balance, the rhythm when you're driving, so that it does more than just accelerate so hard you almost can hardly breathe. Are the, the luxury automakers, are, are they at all in a position to use the battery power to use all electric in, in different ways? Because it, it just seems like they have a, a different client base, different things that people want out of the automobiles. And it's not just that, you know, that performance of not having to go to the gas station. Yeah, it has to be more than just the performance end of it. And that's where we've got to make the vehicle more user-friendly and able to go anywhere at any time. And I think you'll see that phased in. It can't happen overnight, though. How long have we been talking about bringing the metric system here? This is a bigger deal than this, setting up infrastructure and getting the range back where it needs to be in the charging stations. And I think as that develops more, and I think it develops more around urban areas, where certain areas will have a radius where it will be all electric and that radius will slowly bump out. Uh, but there's a billion, there's one billion internal combustion engines in use today, so you can't flip it over right away. You can just make more attributes of electric available in more applications. And the performance manufacturers like Ferrari and Lamborghini and Porsche are very much committed to that. So it'll be a really fun journey with a lot of performance and a lot of excitement along the way. Thanks so much, Rick Mancuso, owner of Ferrari of Lake Forest. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.